Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. Or should I say, the Boovie Marathoners podcast. All right. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you for anybody who is continuing to listen after that. We are the Movie Marathoners podcast. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mati. And joining me today for this perfectly normal and not at all spooky Sunday afternoon (laughs) is my friend and frequent guest, Ian Anderson. Welcome back to the podcast, Ian. How's this Halloween season treating you? Oh, it's been great. Get it? Treating? Oh, I see what you did there with the the trick-or-treating. Yeah. Is there there gonna be a lot of this in in this podcast or is that it? Uh, That was probably (laughs) it. Okay, good. I'm not clever enough to keep this going. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a it's been a spooky time. Been binging a lot of uh, Halloween movies. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Been uh, rewatching Harry Potter movies, so that's my spooky season. That's sort of spooky. Yeah. Yeah. Watched uh, Nightmare Before Christmas the other day in Halloween Town. So, do you think Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Halloween. Okay, I agree. I've just like I know there's a debate. Anyways, <laughs> so what we'll be doing today is getting into that Halloween spirit and talking about the latest horror offering from Netflix. I am of course talking about Hubie Halloween, the scariest movie this season. <laughs> Um, no, just kidding. This week, we're talking about The Haunting of Bly Manor. This is the follow-up to the 2018 series, The Haunting of Hill House. We'll warm up by doing a brief spoiler-free review of the show's nine episodes and talking about whether you should watch them. And then we'll run into spoiler territory to talk freely about the show and what's going on in that finale. And as usual, we'll finish with our point you section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching. So let's start with a synopsis of The Haunting of Bly Manor. This is a pretty detailed synopsis, especially for a TV show. They're usually just a single sentence. This one is um, two sentences. Wow. No, actually, it's just one sentence, but it's kind of a run-on. Here we go. After an au pair's tragic death, Henry hires a young American nanny to care for his orphaned niece and nephew, who reside at Bly Manor with the chef Owen, groundskeeper Jamie, and housekeeper Miss Gross. The Haunting of Bly Manor stars Victoria Pedretti, Tania Miller, and Rahul Cauley. Like the first series, it is created by Mike Flanagan. We lay my love and I have a story. Beneath the weeping a ghost story. So although this is a sequel series to The Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor tells a completely independent story. Uh, Many of the actors from Hill House do show up in Bly Manor, but they are playing new characters and overall they have nothing to do with the first series. So even though the two series kind of share similar DNA and they touch on some of the same topics, you can safely watch Bly Manor without having seen Hill House. Ian, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, totally. I mean, beyond like it being same creator and same actors. Yeah, it's a totally different show, I think. Yeah, so I wanted to start by talking a little bit about Hill House and how watching Hill House may have affected your viewing of Bly Manor. Uh, what were your thoughts on that first series? Yeah, I think like you and I have pretty similar feelings about the first series. We, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought it was really good, especially leading up to that show. I think I'd been watching like the most recent Halloween movie or something. Um, and I might have seen like The Purge before that. And I was sort of annoyed by just uh, <laughs> how many horror movies out there were just like strictly like just like gore slasher fest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not that like those are bad movies, but uh, I just wanted like a little bit more. And the series was like perfect. So did you watch this when it first came out in 2018? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think we actually talked about this maybe in one of our preview episodes when we were prepping for the podcast way back then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just a little bit in like one of your point two sections. Um, I was really apprehensive to watch this just because I missed it in the first Halloween season and then felt yeah. like I had to watch it during Halloween. So I finally got around to seeing it like literally a week before Bly Manor came out. And I think this is one of the best things I've ever seen on television. It is. Yeah amazing the first season yeah, really is good. so good so taut just the way that they blend horror with drama and like the climax the finale of the first series is just so good which mm -hmm. i almost never say about a tv show i was blown away by hill house so that made my expectations for bly manor pretty high do you have did you similarly have high expectations yeah i mean w when i saw that there was a new one coming out um and that it was like sort of separated. All I really knew was that it, I was probably going to enjoy it, and mm -hmm. it was going to be more than just a um, a jump scary kind of horror movie or horror TV show. It was going to be it was going to be more, you know. And I was excited for that. Yeah, because Hill House, it's definitely scary. Um, in some ways, it's terrifying, but it's not mm -hmm. the same type of. There's not a ton of jump scares. There's very no. little gore and violence. It's more just spooky and kind of terrifying. Yeah, it was like a slow burn kind of thing um, with with a lot of the scares and that where where you were trying to like put things together, how things were going to go, and then they would like twist it on you. And it's a lot more of that in Bly Manor, I think, also. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, what were your thoughts on Bly Manor just overall? How does it compare to Hill House? How does it work? Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Hill House, I guess. So it might just be because I, I'm fresh off watching Bly Manor, but I I think I liked Bly, Bly Manor a bit more. Again, they're like nice. very different shows, completely different premises. Uh, they're both great shows that also have a few scares is what I think of them as. Mm -hmm. Great dramas, great family dramas that have a few scares, but they're completely different family dramas, completely different stories. But they both had like that like chill running up your spine feeling at a few places, which, which I love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely steeped in horror. I would actually say that I think Bly Manor is significantly less scary than Hill House. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I want to say that specifically because if somebody's listening to this and is like, I don't like being scared, and you're thinking about whether to watch Hill House or Bly Manor or like what order to watch them in, I mm -hmm. think if you're more adverse to being like scared by ghosts bly manor is a better show for you do you agree yeah i i would totally agree um they're just both so story driven mm -hmm. and i i think yeah I, th I think bly manor is a is a lot less scary it's more of a it's more of a mystery i think kind of thing yeah it's also more disturbing not that Hill yes, House yeah. isn't disturbing, but the horrors are more on display in Hill House, mm -hmm. whereas Bly Manor relies more on just the idea that little kids can be creepy, which is always something that's really, really upsetting <laughs> to me. And this this series plays that off perfectly. And we can talk, and they a talk about bit. that in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the so like even if the kids aren't really doing anything that's quote unquote scary, you just know instantly that something is wrong here and mm -hmm. they're just off and that makes you kind of like skeeved out. But it isn't yeah. the traditional type of horror movie where they're like trying to get jump scares out of you. Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of that in um, Hill House and a little bit more of the kind of jump scares or ghosts popping out behind corners kind of thing, which I thought was awesome. But you definitely get less of that in Bly Manor if that's not your thing. Yeah. I also think that uh, one of the things I just liked a lot more about Bly Manor was that Hill House was like, it was centered on like a very specific event. Mm -hmm. Is that a spoiler what the event is? I don't know. Um, uh, okay. It was, uh, it was centered around this family's like one, one night pretty much in, yeah. in this uh, house, Hill House. Um, but Bly Manor like wasn't as straightforward. It was like slowly introducing uh, more mysteries like every episode and like wrapping up some loose ends, but not completely and like leaving them open and like really brought them all together in the last two episodes, which I thought was really cool because it was just one of those shows where your your mind is just constantly working, trying to figure it out. Um, but you I, I never could at least figure it out until 
I was told what was going on in the last two episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that point is a really good point, and I want to focus on that a little bit. Just the idea that one of the huge differences that I noticed between Hill House and Bly Manor is like you're saying that Hill House is very contained and it's very specifically telling a single story about a single mm-hmm. family. Yeah. And I think that works really, really great for Hill House, especially because the whole thing is directed by a single director, that of course being Mike Flanagan. So it's very clearly his story and he's telling it. And it's just, mm-hmm. these are the characters, these are, these are their relationships, nothing else matters. And I think that works for a really, really tight piece of tori- uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. With Bly Manor, you have a lot of different characters that aren't necessarily like in the same family. You've got, you know, the the gardener, you've got the cook, you've got the housekeeper. And what that allows for, which I think is a really great part about Bly Manor and seems very intentional, is that the characters are much more diverse. So mm-hmm. instead of just being this New England white family like in Hill House, Bly Manor has you have an African-American character and you have a uh, um, or I guess African English character um, and then an English Indian character and you have all of these different characters that makes it feel like a more widespread story Mm -hmm. and then also you're right it doesn't focus on a specific event it kind of focuses on the entire history of what's going on in Bly Manor Mm -hmm. I think the drawback to that which is why I actually think that I enjoyed Hill House a bit more than Bly Manor but I think the drawback to that kind of approach is that it feels a little more unfocused. It feels a little more disconnected. Like you said, there's a lot of these storylines being pulled together and they kind of come together at the end. But what I loved so much about Hill House was very like boom, boom, boom. It felt like very crisp storytelling in a way that Bly mm-hmm. Manor feels just a little bit unfocused. I see. Do you think that has to do with like the the watching experience that that comes with like watching a Netflix show when it, when you have to like watch nine episodes all at once kind of thing, as opposed to like I took more time to watch yeah, Hill House. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I I think that in Hill House the first episode does a very good job at saying this is the destination that we're getting to, and then the next I would say five or six episodes are just filling in backstory. To make it like clear where you're going, right? The, oh, the event yeah. of Hill House occurs and then you're just like, okay, how did we get there? What does this mean? Who are all these characters? Here's an episode about the sister. Here's an episode about the brother, you know, all of these things. Whereas Bly Manor, the first episode is a little more traditional in the way that a story is told where it's here's a whole bunch of settings. As even episode two a little bit is like we're setting up these characters. We're setting up the relationships between these characters but we don't know where this is going. Like, I wasn't clear what the climax of Bly Manor was going to be. I sort of, I sort of loved that because I was, I was constantly thinking about where it mm-hmm. was going to go, and I, I really like shows that have me like active with the show, yeah, rather no, than I, just I agree. watching to see where it goes. Yeah, I definitely am not using it as a, uh, like, I guess maybe I am slightly using it as a slight, but I think it's just I'm trying to point out the differences in the shows and why I thought Hill House mm-hmm. was so fascinating. Because it was so taut and so just pitch perfect, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. just maybe even by nature, Bly Manor feels a little bit more uh, kind of unfocused. But definitely not bad. Like, this show is is very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. We can both agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, something that is very similar between Bly Manor and Hill House is I love how they use flashbacks in, in yeah. both series. Um, just the way that they reveal the backstory of a character and how the world is built is so cool because it's almost like you're watching a prequel. And by what I mean by that is that the show basically retroactively has to tell you why the things that you previously saw are important. Yeah. Right. So in this one, you've got the, this is not really a spoiler. I guess it's a detail, but we won't spoil anything, but there's a ghost that the main actress or the main character, Danielle is haunted by. And he has a very a very distinguished trait and you don't know why that trait is so distinguished but then when you get the flashback episode telling you what that is it kind of almost feels like oh now i get it that and and it feels very much like monsters university explaining why <laughs> randall squints or obviously it's more serious than that but something like that where a prequel yeah. is kind of filling you in i think it's really cool 
I just speaking a little bit, I guess I can't talk too much about the flashbacks, but I thought Bly Manor did some really cool things in the way they did flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And you can I guess I can't really you can't really talk about them without getting too spoilery. But um they did flashbacks in a way I haven't seen in a show, which I guess is thanks to the sort of ghost story nature <laughs> of it. <laughs> but but it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk about that as we get into specifics with spoilers. I think what we'll do in spoiler section is just go episode by episode and kind of yeah, talk about yeah. things. Um but before we do that, I guess we can kind of just wrap up pretty quickly. I think the most interesting parts of this story and talking about this show are in spoilers. Mm -hmm. We already talked about whether you should or shouldn't watch this. I think if you can handle a little bit of scary stuff or more just spooky, unsettling stuff, definitely for you, Uh, like on a scale of gremlins to hereditary, (laughs) how scary would you say this is? Uh, Is that a number scale? Should I be? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Gremlins isn't scary, right? I haven't seen (laughs) Gremlins. Oh, I I would say Gremlins is like, there is some tinges of horror in it, right? In the way that they're little creepy monsters, but it's not fucking scary. Those are just two very interesting choices because Hereditary could very easily just like go over my head. And I'm <laughs> not even scary. I just don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's not that scary. Sort of like Hill House, they do use like a, a few jump scares. Hill House uses more. It's more just creating a sense of like suspense and dread and like the pit of your stomach, that kind mm-hmm. of horror. And there are like a few disturbing images, but like not nothing horrifying. If you just are into the family drama kind of thing, the mystery kind of thing, you'll be super into the show. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I want to say one just like complaint that I have about the show before hopping into spoilers, which is something that just pissed me off throughout the entire show. I hate the way that this show is colored and how it looks. I understand why they do it. They kind of have this soft glow effect that kind of like makes all the whites really bright and almost blinding. And it's oversaturated to kind of make it look like it feels like a story or kind of like a Mm. ghost story, you know? And I understand why they do it, but it just makes me really angry when a really beautiful looking show is intentionally made to look like it's shot on a potato. It just, oh man, it it bothers me so much, especially sometimes in some of the flashbacks. Yeah, I I guess I can see what you mean. I have a really uh, bad TV, old TV, so it's hard (laughs) to tell. I couldn't. That that's news to me that it, it it is like that because that's all that I see when I watch shows. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was just I was coming off of Haunting of Hill House, which I think is a gorgeous looking show. Yeah, it was. And then this one is like it's got this almost blurry quality, and this does take place in the past. It is the the framing device for how the story is told is like somebody telling a story to other people. So I get that it has like a purpose to it, but why like i just want to see it in clear crisp 4k so that that really bothered me but i mean that's a pretty minor complaint in an otherwise really really good show the other thing i want to say super quickly is there are children in this we've mentioned this uh it's definitely the best use of children just naturally being disturbing (laughs) but these kids are incredible actors yeah this show asks them to do so much And they, I mean, I would say for the most part, like maybe nine out of 10 times, they pull it off flawlessly. It's, it's really incredible what these kids do. I would agree. They they were really impressive. Okay. So let's go ahead and just start talking about spoilers. I really want to get into this. Um, (laughs) Should we give a rating or something? Yeah. Why don't you just rate the, give it a score out of 10 and uh, summarize any thoughts you have. Yeah. um, I I really love the show. Um, I love that it was so different from hill house it was just so much of it i've been talking about how it's so much of a mystery but i I love that so much it's like a narrative puzzle box that's like continuously growing like faster than you can figure things out and (laughs) i I love that and it it just gets even better um i think that there are ghosts on top of that uh that's just like an extra layer another part of the mystery also and i think i'd give it like a eight and a half out of ten probably Awesome. Uh, Right there with you. I think the show's great. I think if for whatever reason you only want to try either Bly Manor or Hill House, I would give the edge to Hill House just because I think, like I said, it's just that is one of the most genuinely 
beautiful pieces of storytelling ever. And this maybe just by nature, by being the one that I watched second, doesn't quite live up to that. But it's still a really good show. It's definitely got its spooky stuff, but it's also not like offensively scary and there's no murder porn or anything like that. If if that's what you're looking for, you got to look elsewhere. Sorry. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great show. The acting is fantastic. And I really like the visual storytelling. And like Ian said, the kind of twists and turns that happen and sort of how just the world is built up. And maybe there's some slight problems that I have with how that's built up at the, the very end of the show. But the I mean, it's it's just a great show and I would definitely recommend it. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. Cool. Okay, let's go ahead and take a break here, and when we return, we'll hop into spoilers. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. All right, we're back, and with that is your spoiler warning for The Haunting of Bly Manor, starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Okay, so Ian, I figured we'd just sort of go episode by episode and talk about things. Um, We watched the first episode together, which I thought was great. Episode one, basically just <laughs> your basic setting up a TV show, right? You you get Danielle, you get the character introductions, she meets everybody at Bly, she meets the kids who are just instantly some of the creepiest kids I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you put kids in any of these stories and it's just going to be so much creepier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Especially well, little kids that look like Miles. Oh and- my god, Miles. Like, he, he very quickly, um, I guess after the first few episodes, became less scary compared to Flora. But in the first two episodes, I was like, oh, my God, get this kid out of here. Yeah, I think after the second episode, I texted you that Miles has got to go. Yeah, like, he did say that. I was like, they need to off this kid. I cannot stand this kid. He is <laughs> so disturbing. Let's just, like, blend one and two together because you find out Miles's backstory, like, he gets kicked out of school because he strangles a kid and then fucking kills a bird. And also, which, like, jumps out of a tree. Yeah. Eh, yeah, tiny details. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, killing a bird, I think, is the go-to sign for a psychopath. And he knew that. Yeah. And the first two episodes, I think, are really good at, like like I said, they're. I would say that in Hill House, the first episode is really, really scary. Like, it's, yeah. it's I mean, you know... Maybe it's not as scary as some horror movies or whatever, but I would say that there are some actually terrifying things in episode one, and there's nothing mm. really terrifying in episode one or two of Bly Manor. No, just just like things warning you that it's going to be creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> at the end of episode two, do you have any idea of what's happening? With the kids? Yeah. Or just in general, because I guess no to eat both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any idea of even, like, where the story's going? No. Or are you just intrigued? No, I, I, I don't think... I kept my... Like, I think I kept uh, having different ideas of where the story was going to go. Um, okay. And not until, like, the last three episodes, I think, I started to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we, we can talk retrospectively when we when we hit those yeah. episodes, I guess. Uh, but, so- I, yeah, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> Episode three, we get that Luke from um, The Haunting of Hill House is back, that Mm -hmm. actor. I love that actor. I think his name is Oliver Jackson Cohen. And one thing that we didn't talk about in spoilers is that this is like, this takes place in England. So Mm -hmm. everybody except for the American au pair who is played by, um, what's her name? Uh, Victoria Pedretti. So Victoria Pedretti, Pedretti, she plays the youngest 
girl in um in haunting of hill house nelly she is the main character here um danny i think she's a great actress i know i was just talking about oliver jackson cohen but she was great yeah she's she's fantastic she's my age which blew my mind when i saw that she's 25 um i would have pinned her at like 30 yeah i thought she was older than that (laughs) yeah great actress but anyway so we we get oliver jackson cohen who plays luke in hill house and he also is the villain in um the invisible man which is where i saw him from first so it's kind of funny to see him be a villain in invisible man be an incredibly likable character in hill house and Mm -hmm. then now he's back to kind of this like dickwad in uh blind manor yeah i i since you talked about accents a little bit his wasn't that great okay so i have a question let's (laughs) let's let's play the game british or no because okay. there's a lot of actors in both Hill House and Bly Manor, and uh-huh. most of them have British accents in Bly Manor, and they don't have British accents in Hill House. So the first one I'll ask you is the storyteller in Bly Manor and uh, Olivia in Hill House is played by Carla Gugino. Um, she's the, also the, the mom, mom in Spy Hill Kids. House, right? Yeah. Is she British or not? Yes. No, she's not British. She's American. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so her her British accent in here is fake. Uh, we've got Kate Siegel. She plays Theo in uh, Hill House and uh-huh. Viola in the flashback episode, episode eight in Bly Manor. Is she British or no? No. Correct. She's American. She's also <laughs> Mike Flanagan's wife. So oh, huh. great nepotism there. Um, <laughs> okay. Oliver Jackson Cohen, the one that we're talking about. He plays no. Luke in Hill House. He's not you British. Said no. He yeah. is British. What? Yeah. Okay, is he is he Scottish? Because he was trying to do a Scottish accent in the show. Yeah, I don't. But think I don't he's think that Scottish. Was, okay, because I I didn't think that was very good. His mom in the show, when he had a flashback with that, her her accent sounded good. Okay, when when he came on screen and he had this like ridiculous Scottish accent, I was like, no way, is this yeah. his actual accent? And then huh. I googled it, and he was British. I didn't I didn't check. If he was Scottish or versus just, I don't even know how to check that. Like, if he says he's a British actor, does a Scottish yeah. person count as a British actor? Yeah. Okay. I think well, so. So yeah. then, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, last one. Henry Thomas, who plays Hugh Crane, the dad in Hill House, and plays Uncle Henry in this. Is he British or American? I'm going to say American. You're right. He is American. Yeah. Did you know he's Elliot in E.T.? Elliot. The, is that the kid? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't know was, that. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, all right, this has been your British or no tangent. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea Henry Thomas was Elliot. That's so funny. I knew all of the characters that you didn't uh, mention, by the way, from the show because I watched like interviews with that. They did it like an, an Instagram live the other day talking about their characters oh, yeah. in the show. It was pretty funny. Yeah, you mean like Tania and uh, yeah, the kids. Flora is just as creepy, uh, her actress. Really? They they had a thing where they... This is a short side thing. They had a thing where they were all try, like pretending to be ghosts and doing their best impression of being ghosts. And everybody was doing like the like stereotypical like, ooh, or like boo. And then Flora, her actress, was just like staring into the screen <laughs> for like 30 seconds without saying anything. <laughs> So maybe she's not a good actress. Maybe she's just actually mentally she's just disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but episode three, we start to get the uh, backstory of Luke and this character, Miss Jessel or Rebecca, who is the previous au pair mm-hmm. who died on Bly Manor's uh, grounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is where I first noticed like and started really hating the soft glow effect because this is like a flashback within the greater story being told yeah. by carla gugino i was just like oh this looks ugly but um yeah we find out that these kids are still really disturbing that's yeah that's, the, that's where we're at by episode three <laughs> um episode four comes along and we get danny's backstory uh we find out that this girl in the haunting saga is just cursed with yeah. her fiance's like hill house the dude gets an aneurysm like eight months after they're married. And in this one, the dude gets plowed by a truck 
the night yeah, that, of their engagement. That was rough. Yeah. When they were sitting in the car, I was like, he's going to get hit by a car. I knew yeah. it. <laughs> and you also find out here that Danny is a lesbian or like a closeted lesbian, which I think is a really interesting part of this story because this does take place, I believe, in the 80s or maybe the 70s. And that whole idea is kind of further expanded on when you start getting her relationship with Jamie, who is the, yeah. the groundskeeper. Oh, Jamie's the best. I love Jamie. Jamie's super nice. Um, episode five. Let's talk a little bit about this one. This is the Hannah episode, the Tania Miller episode, where it's kind of all from her perspective. And you find out what what did you think was going on at the end of this episode? Oh, like, I, I, I knew she was dead. Okay. Like it, it was, I thought it was, I thought that was pretty obvious at least that, that she was dead there. So I was really confused by this episode because I couldn't figure out like why she was jumping around. Like I, I guess I just didn't understand why she was jumping around so much and the other ghosts were not. Yeah, I just figured that was because she just died or something. Um, but it was pretty obvious I think that she was dead even from the beginning. You think from the beginning of the series? Yeah. I mean, we did know that she, like... I never let go of the not-eating thing. Um, And her, like, her thing where she was sitting in, like, the the church kind of building, and she would just be, like, staring off. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, she's she's a ghost. That's a ghosty thing. I I (laughs) definitely figured that she was, like, kind of dead in some capacity, but what threw me off was that she could seem to be able to interact with people in Mm -hmm. a way that the other ghosts couldn't. Yeah. She just, like, didn't know that she was dead. I guess ignorance is bliss, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I thought this episode was really good. Um, at first, I was like, I don't understand what's going on at all, and this episode is pissing me off. <laughs> but there was some point in the middle of the episode where I was just like, this performance is just so good that I'm I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I can't exactly follow what's going on, but I'm in. And I think Tania Miller is, is fantastic in this show, yeah, she specifically was, she was this episode. So then we get episode six, which feels like probably the most random of the episodes, in my opinion, because you start to get backstory on Uncle Henry, who mm. I didn't even really realize was a character. Yeah, I didn't really point. care about him. Yeah. And well, you find out that Uncle Henry is just the worst brother in the world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is uh, having sex with his husband's, no, with his brother's Wife. His sister-in-law, yeah. yeah. His sister-in-law, and you also find out that Flora is Henry's daughter. And then you also find out that he effectively killed Lady and Lord when, well... I, that's, I don't know. We don't know how they died. Well, We just know that they died on the trip. Well, and the the idea was that he definitely blames himself for, mate, for like them feeling like they had to take the trip to yeah. renew their marriage or whatever. And that's why yeah. he's a drunk and everything. I have a question. I know you don't have a brother, but if your wife <laughs> cheated on you with your brother, would you be more angry with your wife or more angry with your brother? Uh, <laughs> such a loaded question. <laughs> First, I have to imagine I have a brother. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's tough. I I'd be angry at both of them. Yeah, Henry but really he, seemed he, to take he, he the was blunt very much. Yeah, he he was very much just angry at his brother, though it seemed like. I don't know. I, I guess I'd be pretty pissed at my brother, but I'd, I'd be pretty pissed at my wife, too. I, I guess know. he was, like, trying to figure out which one would be easier to cut out of his life. Yeah, and I guess you got the kids, and you gotta yeah. save it for the kids. Well, anyways, um, this episode ends <laughs> with... I don't even know how to explain it. Basically, they tie Danny to... They, they, they basically knock out Danny, right? And it's clear at this point that Rebecca Jessel is somehow using flora as a vessel and peter is somehow using miles as a vessel yeah was it clear at that point for you yeah 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 i think like a little bit before this it was i started to figure out that miles was being possessed Mm -hmm. it it was around here where i was like okay this this finally makes sense and then it was also around here and then a little bit in episode seven when i was like damn these kids are good at acting yeah up until that point i was like this writing is really bad. Kids would not say this. Like this is <laughs> this is really just sophisticated crap that some of these kids are saying sometimes. But now it makes sense because they're being possessed by yeah. adults. Um, 
And I, I do remember when we were watching episode one where I, I said something like, it was kind of a joke, but I was like, do you think this is a, a get out situation where these kids are being replaced by adults or something? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't 100% wrong. Well, Put that on a plaque. <laughs> I wasn't 100% wrong. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get episode seven and we get like just the kind of final backstory of Rebecca and Peter and how basically Peter sucks, but he doesn't suck as much as we thought he did. And also we kind of feel bad for him because he's poor. Uh, did Did this work for you? Like, how did you feel about the Peter character at this point? Um, I, I still hated him. <laughs> I think I felt okay. bad for him for like 10 seconds once I figured out what was going on with his dad. But other than, yeah, he, he was a messed up guy. I, don't, I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that I like about that character is that I completely agree he's a terrible person and he's also clearly abusive to Rebecca. But when the stuff that he says to Miles where he's like, Miles, you are the richest person I know because you have so many people who love you. Mm. All of that stuff, like I genuinely believed that that character thought that. Oh, see, I didn't. Okay. I I mean, I know that he was manipulating Miles, but I genuinely was like, this dude clearly does not have the support that he needs. And like all the things that he says and he's saying, he believes to be true. And yes, he's manipulating people and abusing people, but like, I think the way that the actor portrays this character is like, I believe that you think what you're saying is correct, which I think is a testament to a really good performance. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think if he actually thought that, he would have gone along with trying to pretty much kill Miles. Well, so you don't think that he in some way was doing Miles a favor by like, putting him in this is the one part that kind of ties back to the idea of hill house of like keeping somebody safe in a forever home and like the perfect memory like where his parents are alive i yeah, don't know i, 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 I still it. i still thought he was just, that's pretty much what he said was gonna have was happening with uh what's her name Re- rebecca. rebecca yeah that's true um and then he killed her I was like, I, th- I just thought he was saying whatever he thought he needed to say to get in this body. Well, maybe I just have more faith in humanity, Ian. Uh, he wasn't a human. <laughs> well, anyways, this <laughs> ends with probably the most fucked up thing that ever happens is convincing two children to let you take control of their bodies so that they are stuck forever in their memories and you can go on and live your life. What was their plan after this? Were they just going to like... Grow I don't know up as brother and sister. Yeah, I, I don't know because were would they have been able to leave Blind Manor? I don't know this because didn't they already try that? Yeah, you're right, they did. But like, was that because like she didn't fully let him take control of yeah, her body? I guess so. But why didn't he just why didn't he just do that to get out instead of drowning her? Yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought that he drowned her because he realized. Actually, I don't know why he drowned her. He's just a terrible person. This because is if where he, if he fully got inside of her body and was able to leave, then he could have just left then. Yeah, and then gotten out. Yeah. So I don't know what their plan was. <laughs> like, and if they were just like in control of their bodies, like were they just gonna pull a sky high and go through puberty twice and? Then just be in love with each other, but they're siblings. But they're siblings. Yeah, that that would be really. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, we don't have too it much time to out. think about this because, um, you know, we find out that Miss Jessel is not as fucked up as Peter and decides to not effectively murder Flora and just pretends to murder Flora, and then she's like, "Yo, Danny, take." flora and run and then flora pulls a flora and starts screaming for miles and then this lady that we've seen maybe once or twice in the whole series chokes danny and it cuts to black and then we get episode eight which straight from season two of stranger things where did you watch season two of stranger (laughs) things yeah so do you remember how in the penultimate episode of that show like i don't know if there's a word for the second or the third to last episode 
Mm-hmm. Is it like the Tren Ultimate? I don't know. The Pen Pen Ultimate. <laughs> yes. The Pen Pen Ultimate episode <laughs> ends with this cliffhanger. And then the penultimate episode is just this random episode where Elle is in Chicago chilling mm-hmm. with these people. Oh, Universally yeah. panned yeah. episode. I hated but, that. Yeah. This one, not not a bad episode by any means, but it did feel like it ended with this huge cliffhanger and then was just like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Here's some more backstory in black and white flashback about the Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about this episode and like how it fits into the series? I thought it was pretty cool, um, and it makes sense. It, in the moment, I was I was thinking it was straying so far away from where we were, mm-hmm. but I think it makes episode it makes sense in the next episode why they did that. Yeah, you definitely need this information for the finale to make sense. But I guess what like confused me is that this. And and what also confuses me about the um, the finale is that this I'm going to call her the lady in the water. I don't know if mm. that's what she is, but the lady in the water is not the main point of the story up until now, and then she kind of becomes the like main ghost in the climax of this series, and the climax of this series actually has nothing to do with the kids acting weird or Peter and Rebecca. It all has to do with this ghost who we get backstory for the episode right before. And I well, think... We d- Go ahead. We did know that this ghost was like the the bad ghost, though, because it killed Peter. Yeah, yeah, but... And it was the only ghost that the kids were afraid of. Flora, Flora would hide that doll underneath the bed, you know, oh, or underneath the dresser. I get it. It was the only ghost that she like didn't keep with her and play with and stuff. And like when uh, earlier in the show, when when Danny like gave the doll to Flora in bed, Flora was like noticeably like freaked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. And they were like it, trying it just... to distract her, or trying to. Di- who were they trying to distract when when uh, that ghost was walking around? Yeah, it was Danny. And and speaking of that, that is easily the scariest moment in this show. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. so good. Where yeah. you're just like, oh, fuck. And I guess you're right. They do hint at like the um, mud being brought into the house mm-hmm. every night. Like that's weird and all of that. I guess it just like I was so focused on the Peter and Rebecca thing. And at the end of episode seven, I was like, oh, shit. How are they going to save Miles and Flora from yeah. these two ghosts? And it kind of it sort of felt like it was a, a huge turn to be like, oh, no, no. There's this other lady that we have to give a huge backstory to in episode eight. And I think it would have been interesting if there was not interesting and not even necessarily better, but I guess I was just expecting for there to be more of that earlier. If that makes sense. It was a a weird transition, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, overall that episode, I think that episode is really good. Mm -hmm. And for an episode that is mainly done with voiceover, it wasn't frustrating at all. Like I usually don't really like just nonstop voiceover, but I thought it worked here and Mm -hmm we get Katie Siegel or whatever her name is again. She was really good. And then we get the ninth episode, which is the final episode, mm-hmm. which is cool. It was so heavy. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of stuff goes on and it's none of the stuff that I would have thought was going to happen in the finale of this season. Mm-hmm. Like basically the, the way that this ends is Danny just kind of invites the lady in the lake into her body, which then lifts the curse from Bly Manor and then all the ghosts move on Um, so so it did sort of feel weird that like that was what felt like the climax and then like Peter and Rebecca were just like peace and Tania Miller was just like peace Um, but I mean it was it was a cool scene yeah I I thought that was really well done Um, we knew that it was all from the last episode at least we knew it was all revolving around what's her name the the original ghost the lady in the lake yeah. Just call her that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have a, a huge nitpick about this episode, and I guess that's a little contradictory, but <laughs> basically Danny is dragged from the outside of the house all the way up to the bed, and she somehow survives that, whereas like she kills Peter almost instantly by just choking well, him for a couple of seconds. 
He, didn't she kill everybody, though, in the bedroom in front of the bed? Is that a thing? Didn't she? That's where she dragged Peter to. And I then assumed, she dragged him back. And then she dragged the body to the water. That's what she was doing with everybody. I assumed that she just like killed him on the way. And it was just because it was so close to the bedroom. No, because Peter, Peter said that like he when he leaves, he always returns to the exact spot that it happened. Mm. And he it was it was where they were taking mm. the pictures right there in that in the room. Well, fuck me. OK, I guess that makes sense. I'm glad I have you on this episode because that, that really bothered <laughs> I thought about me. I thought the same thing, too. And then I remembered like all the places that are all the people that she killed. That makes sense. Then I, I guess that's fine. Um. I don't know how to move on from here. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had a a valid nitpick. Well, I thought I yeah, I did. I I thought I did. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, so then so basically this episode like I think at the, at the like the halfway mark is when the ghost gets accepted into Danny's body and mm-hmm. then it's kind of all just wrap up. And basically everybody gets to live a happy life. That's great, except Danny who <laughs> After years of being in love with this Jamie character, eventually Jamie, like, I think the idea is that she's kind of constantly haunted by this lady. Yeah, she can, like, feel this thing inside of her. That's what, like, Peter and uh, Rebecca said about, like, Miles and Flora. Like, they could always feel them inside when they were inside of them. Yeah, so ultimately then she just decides to go back to Bly and kill herself, which is, uh, yeah, it's heavy, man. Is that what she, I couldn't tell if that was her decision or if the lady in the water finally took over and she did that. I think the idea was that she didn't want the lady to kill Jamie, right? Because she had that yeah. kind of vision where she like almost stabbed Killed Jamie it, yeah. in the middle of the night. So she was like, I'm just going to dip back to Bly and kind of kill myself in the lake so that I can, it seems like she can now permanently have control of the, the lady so that she never is going to become a murderer right, or whatever. Right. Yeah. I the the thing that I want to talk about here mainly is what exactly is Bly Manor about? Because I think this goes back a little bit to my feeling that this is a little less focused than Hill House, where I thought Hill House was very clearly about childhood trauma and then how that affects different people later in life and then also this idea about parenthood and the fear of letting your kids go into this world and have this world impact Mm -hmm. them in both good and bad ways i think that is a very clear message that hill house is trying to tell did you have a nice summary of what this was trying to tell (laughs) because i struggled a bit uh, not beyond just like being super corny and saying that it was a love story. It's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think that that like pretty much is what what it was by the end, you know. Mm-hmm. So, did you buy the relationship between Danny and Jamie? Because that didn't feel like the main focus of the story. For oh a yeah, while. I thought I thought they were great. I loved I loved them. Okay, it wasn't the main focus for a while, but. I feel like if you think about all the things that the show like could have been about throughout it, like it was always just like love that it mm-hmm. was about, like Peter and Rebecca, um, Hannah you know, and Owen, yeah, and the kids, and Henry and the kids, and what what's the chef and the housekeeper? Yeah, Hannah and Owen. Yeah, yeah, that's our names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's also something here about memories and the idea of using memories to protect yourself, but also that memories can kind of act like a crutch if you mm. hold on to them and let you let them haunt you and maybe how like certain memories prevent you from fully loving, right? Because like You've got all these pairs and the memories or the things of their past. I'm just making this up on the spot. Yeah, the no, memories I, totally. And the things of their past kind of prevent them from fully committing to each of those relationships. And I, I guess that makes the end really, really sad. Yeah, like, no, I, that, that almost brought me to tears at the end. Like, yeah, like Danny was, <laughs> Danny could never get over 
like, like I think these ghosts clearly are stand-ins for memories or whatever in the mm-hmm. same way that the ghosts in Hill House are stands in stand-ins for like childhood trauma. Yeah. And so it seems like Danny could never get past that, which is super sad. Yeah. And that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. At, at what point did you realize that um, Carla Gugino was um, Jamie? The storyteller was Jamie. Um, not until the last episode, at least. Really? Um, yeah. I kept trying to guess who it was, but. The second that Jamie got introduced and said something, I was like, oh, she's kind of got a Scottish accent. And <laughs> so does the storyteller. Hmm. Um, but then, like, I never really thought about it much because they obviously don't look like each other, really. I yeah. guess they kind of do. But um I don't know the the kind of coda at the end of this with her being at the wedding that was clearly Flora and this other dude. Oh yeah, and, then, and by the way, the actress who played the older Flora was the worst actress in the show. I think <laughs> she had she had like th- like tw- like twenty lines probably, and I think she blew all of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> Just, I didn't buy anything she said. <laughs> yeah, I. The the question I have is why was she American? But because she was story, raised in America, um, and her childhood was pretty much erased in her mind. I think. Oh, okay. Like she couldn't remember any of it. Okay, I thought that it was just sort of like a like a red herring and a storytelling thing. So she like changed the locations and everything. No, and like, I don't. None think of so. it actually took place in England. I don't know. I don't think so. I think like. They, their memories just like completely faded at that point like they talked about how they weren't remembering things yeah that's a good point yeah so unlike hill house this is about how childhood trauma can be easily forgotten if you move <laughs> yeah. to america <laughs> welcome <laughs> could you imagine being one of the people listening to that story at a party <laughs> like at what point do you think is too like too far into the story to just like cut her off or leave (laughs) yeah because like maybe you're like oh because she says it's a long story but you're probably thinking oh yeah you know it's probably a five minute long story but this thing to tell it is probably at least 45 minutes yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then could you also imagine being owen and like knowing the entire story and just having, and to, having sit to sit there. <laughs> yeah, he's barely in it too. So he just has to sit there and be like, God damn it. When am I going to be back in this story? <laughs> yeah. I think I figured out that was Owen pretty early on actually. Well, you only see him in the first episode and the last episode. Yeah. But I just kept trying to figure out why like they made him seem important in the first episode. Like he was the only person that said anything besides the storyteller pretty much yeah so I, I figured he was important yeah yeah that's that's a good point one random question i have is how long do you think danny was an au pair at bly for because it could be anywhere from like four days to six months i think like a summer or something maybe well weren't wasn't weren't they supposed to be homeschooled yeah but they sort of ignored the schooling part yeah. The story so I, I have no <laughs> idea how long that lasted <laughs> yeah, i just i could just see that there is a way that danny was actually an au pair for like four days and all of this was just a massive shit show <laughs> for four days and then she's like okay time to move on i think it was um, probably a few months i don't know yeah. okay so with that let's go ahead and move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching uh ian what have you been watching um yeah so like i said earlier i've been watching a lot of uh halloween movies to get in the season but those have all been rewatches besides this show so um the most recent thing that i was a new watch for me was uh enola holmes <laughs> okay <laughs> it was a it's a netflix movie uh starring millie bobby brown from stranger things um and i thought it was a cute movie it, it's it's about um the younger sibling of sherlock holmes and just sort of the adventures that she goes on i think i think this is based on a book also and just her own style of uh mystery telling or mystery solving is sort of what this is about and how she's separated from from sherlock uh sherlock and this is played by henry cavill (laughs) 
which, which I thought was a really great casting. He he was really good, but um, the movie wasn't about him. He was only in it for like five or ten minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought this was a, a really pleasant movie and something really cool to see Millie Bobby Brown in that wasn't Stranger Things. Um, I thought she did a great job in it. Uh, she Not just because of breaking the fourth wall in this, but she was very reminiscent of... Uh, the main act, the main character in Fleabag, Fleabag. Um, oh, cool. Do you, you ever see Fleabag? Yeah, yeah. Great um, show. I, I think this might have been directed or written by somebody who did a few episodes of Fleabag. That's cool. And so it's very much in the same vein as that with with um, the way that uh, Nola Holmes solves mysteries. She, like, talks to herself but to the camera. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I think that was really cool, and it re- worked really well. And it was a really great way of separating her from Sherlock, uh, which was a lot of a lot of what this movie was about was separating her from Sherlock. And it was like overall a very lighthearted mystery kind of adventure children's movie. But it had like in the last like five or ten minutes, it just got super dark. Did you, have you seen this movie? No, because when I asked you was Enola Holmes good, you're texts to me were meh it was cute yeah it it was but the last like <laughs> five or ten minutes it got like dark and i was like wait is this for is this for kids <laughs> because like suddenly there were like there was a lot of violence <laughs> is there death <laughs> so she's not like solving like like a murder rape uh no no it, no it's a it's about um like i think on the day of her 16th birthday her mom and also like Sherlock's mom disappears and it's about basically their cousins. No, uh, they're, they're siblings. Oh, I thought you meant her mom and Sherlock. I see. Okay. Sorry. Oh no. Only one woman disappears. The the same, the same mom. Yes. Um, (laughs) she, she disappears and it's about, uh, Enola going on an adventure to find her mom. So Sherlock Sherlock was like, eh, Sherlock was interested, but he and there's another sibling also, an older brother also, and they have to like sort of manage the estate. Okay. And they also don't really buy that their mom wasn't just crazy. And Enola was the only person that her mom seemed to really like be normal and understandable with. So, so Enola knew that something was wrong and knew that she had to solve a mystery. Hmm. Cool. And it, it, it's fun. Okay. So you would recommend this. Yeah. And definitely if you want to see more of Millie Bobby Brown, because I think this is a really good example of why she's a great actress. That's good because I'm so tired of her in Stranger Things. Like I think. And it's her... it's very different from the acting that she does in that. It, this okay. is fun. Cool. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a little like uh, she just is so upset all the time yeah yeah this is very much very one note cool okay well maybe i'll check that out the next time i'm looking for a kid's movie yeah and it's always fun to see henry cavill also yeah that's true when you can't see him in a hot tub (laughs) shirtless yeah if you've run out of episodes of that i'm sure you'll love enola holmes (laughs) enola holmes the witcher (laughs) spinoff cool I'll, i'll check that out um the movie I saw recently, I actually really haven't been seeing much other than this because I tried to, to plow through this last week. And also I've been watching those Harry Potter movies, which will be for a podcast at a later date. <laughs> but I watched a movie yesterday called Faith Based. Lord, Father God, we give thanks and praise for all of these bountiful gifts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And look, it's working pool sanitation, Lord. It is really something else <laughs> tanner it's time for us to do something with our lives time to go to church the attendance of the church has been slowly declining we need 75 grand just to make the rest of the years right okay i got an idea faith-based the entire genre is a gold mine i want to make the best christian movie jesus has ever seen it's time to show my dad what we can do dude it seems like a lot of work Nikki Steele says, You work hard, you play hard. You work harder, you play harder. You work hardest, you play rock hard. I'm in. It's um, 
came out recently and it tells the story of these two friends that are played by Luke Barnett and Tanner Thompson. And they decide to make a Christian movie because of just how lucrative Christian movies are. Are you aware of this concept? That uh, like Passion of Christ. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, but then also <laughs> there's like that random movie with the kid who plays Archie on Riverdale. It's like I still believe and it's got like a faith based aspect to it and it makes like a hundred million dollars easily. There's oh, like when not. the kid falls in the ice and every now and then you get these movies that are made for like pennies and they will always clear like at least $30 million at the box office. And Wasn't there a really movie that you business. watched recently sort of along the same vein that you said was really good, a uh, religious movie with like- Oh, you mean Silence by Martin Scorsese? Yes. <laughs> Wait, yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's just, that's just me not knowing movies. I guess. Not at all the same. Okay. <laughs> no, so these so these are like Christian movies that are like pretty bad, um, but because they're Christian, people are like, oh, oh we'll, I see, we'll like I see. go see them, and churches will um, buy buses and send their congregations to these movies just because okay. they're Christian and to support uh, Christian filmmakers. Okay. Yeah. So, but these guys are just like, oh, well, they're lucrative, so let's just make a Christian movie. And so they're told by this company called Christflix that if they make a Christian movie, that they'll just buy it from them for $200,000. No questions asked. Oh, sweet. But what they won't do is they won't just fund them to make their own movie because, and I quote, what kind of idiot would invest in someone else's crazy idea without proof that it will amount to anything? That's a good point. Do you um, get it? Yeah, I got it. Thank you. It's religion. Uh, yeah. So Ian, you've known me for quite a while. Am I a pious man? Is this a sarcastic question? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to answer? Is it a rhetorical question also? No, it's not rhetorical. It's just <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. What? No, I'm not pious. I, I know. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Sorry. That was a train wreck. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a religious person. <laughs> I, I think this movie's movie is a lot of fun. It pokes fun at faith-based films. It uh, It's a very small movie, but I think it's pretty funny. It's really silly, and it's mm. very self-aware of itself. And it's really just kind of tearing apart the idea of doing something for the money and how these religious movies are just so bad, but because they kind of take advantage of people's faith and uh, beliefs in something higher power that they just work. And I mean, so this, I, I have a question. Why would I watch this and not sausage party? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what I'll tell you is that this movie does not have a five to 10 minute long scene <laughs> of various animated pieces of food fucking each other. So, um, in some ways. So you would stick with Sausage Party? <laughs> no, I mean, this is... So first off, this is just like 93 minutes. It's a really breezy film. Oh, and wow. I think it's it's funny and silly. And um, it's not... I would say that Sausage Party is very um, antagonistic, I guess, about religion. And this isn't so much antagonistic about religion so much as it is kind of antagonistic about the idea of exploiting religion for profit i see and also just exploiting people in general for profit there's this character played by jason alexander who is like a ponzi scheme guy who has a point in the movie sort of um and then there's also lance reddick is in this who is like the the hotel consigliere from john wick oh. um he's the he's like the leader of the church and like luke barnett's adopted father and well he didn't adopt him lance, oh, lance reddick, reddick. Yeah. adopted luke you can't adopt your father and yeah i mean i mean so so it's definitely a little more lighthearted, and it has like an actual message about friendship and stuff and i, I thought it was fun i'm pretty much just hearing this is sausage party and sausage party is one minute shorter than this movie it's not sausage party <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I know you're being facetious here, but yeah. um, another thing that Sausage Party doesn't have is it doesn't have Joe West's girlfriend from the Flash TV show. I was going to say, I'm looking at the cast now, and I'm that's definitely... Yeah, that's definitely actor we don't know the name of. And, and also not the character Nicolette, name. Yeah. 
Yeah, what's um what's your character's name? Joe West's wife. <laughs> Joe West's wife. <laughs> Who has superpowers now. Wait, re- oh, that's right. Because she can like read minds or something. Because she's like pregnant with a superhero or something. Yeah. I don't remember I don't if that's why or not, but okay. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> um faith-based. No superpowers, but it's it's a charming little film. I definitely recommend it. You can rent it on VOD now. So check it out. Cool. All right. This has been our review of The Haunting of Bly Manor. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. Of course. Is there anything specific you'd like to plug? Um, What do I usually plug? I guess I plug a lot of things. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at IAnderson. The O is a zero in Anderson. Is there another movie that you have to watch this Halloween season? Is there one specific movie that you would recommend for people to watch? Ooh, a specific movie for people to watch. On Halloween. You can't go wrong with Hocus Pocus, I don't think. Yeah, Hocus Pocus is good. I, I watched that like again for the first time in several years last year. Mm-hmm. I Admittedly, it, it it's not as good as I remember, but it's still a really fun movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's exactly how I felt. And so I was like, oh, maybe when I watch Halloween Town, it'll be the same. No, Halloween Town is just bad. What? <laughs> oh, man, maybe I shouldn't rewatch them. Dana hasn't a, seen them. It was so a struggle was thinking, to get through the first really? one. Yeah. Even with um, Debbie Reynolds? Yeah, even with. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Debbie Reynolds can save Halloween Town. Oh, God. They should remake so those. All right. Uh, Ian, before I move on to this uh, closing segment that I usually do, there's a difference this time, and I want to see if you can catch it and let me know what your thoughts are. Because I consulted with my um, creative manager, aka my little brother, (laughs) Mm -hmm. about the outro, and he thought it could use some spicing up. So let me know what you think. Okay. The intro... (laughs) I just read it. (laughs) Ah, damn it. (laughs) The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie dash marathoners and we are also on itunes google play stitcher radio spotify overcast himalaya and Castbox. so please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing and any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated so thank you all for listening and we hope you'll join us again next time when i am joined by brett bohan to review aaron sorkin's new film the trial of the chicago seven so until then remember that life's a marathon so let's take it one movie at a time I like that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep doing that. All right. Peace. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh, yeah. Can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place, the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.